Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. All right, so today we're in the fourth and final week of our sermon series called In the Beginning. And if you remember, what we've been doing in this series, or what I've been attempting to do in this series, is to give all of you a basic understanding of the two different creation stories that we have in our Bible. So not only can you read and understand these stories for what they're saying, which is absolutely mind-blowing, but most importantly, so you can grasp the world-transforming theological truth that they proclaim. They're foundational uh, to who we are as Christians. Without them, we don't know who we are. We don't know who, in a sense, our God is. So in week one, and then again last week, what we discovered by really getting into these stories, right, not just staying on the surface, but really getting into them, is that it's quite clear that these stories were not written to give us a scientific account of the creation of the universe, but instead were written as ancient descriptions of the creation of the world meant to teach us truth that goes beyond the scientific into the theological. And what I mean by theological is it teaches us about who God is and how our God is at work in the world. And so far, the truths that we have uncovered are this. This incredible world that we live in, and it is absolutely astounding, did not come about through some kind of cosmic battle, which is what the ancients believed. Nor was it something that just happened by accident. But instead was an existence that, that was spoken to life by an all-powerful, loving God working on his masterpiece. Next, we learn that as human beings, we were not creatures that just happened by chance. In that we live in this big and infinite universe that, that just happened. There's no rhyme or reason for it. We just, that's what so many people are saying today. But instead, we're fearfully and wonderfully made by the one true God as the pinnacle of his good creation. And the reason God created us, which is the most amazing part of all of this, is to be in relationship with us. That's right. The one who created all of this created us to be in relationship with him. And it really doesn't get any bigger than that. Right? And then what we got into last week is that if we will take the incredible theological truth that these creation stories proclaim, right? And it's amazing. And then add some science to that or add what science is teaching us about our existence. What we'll discover is that science is not, nor has it ever been our enemy, but something that helps us to see God even more clearly. Um, and so my question to you guys, any of you get a chance to go out and read some uh, quantum mechanics last week? Anybody? Quantum mechanics? No, I didn't stir your mind into act. Come on, people. Uh, so we talked a little quantum mechanics last week. Um, and if you've never read any of that and you have to read just the basic stuff, this world that we live in is marvelous. And you have no idea how complex and beautiful it is if you've never seen that picture that we get when delving in. And, and that's what I've found in science over and over again is that it doesn't disprove God. In fact, it reveals just how amazing our God really is. Okay, so now that we, we have basically um, gone through the basics of the first creation story and then done a comparison between uh, creation story number one and creation story number two, what I would like to do today to kind of bring all of this to a close is to help you see the theological truth in the Adam and Eve story, which basically teaches us about what happened to God's good world. 
So the description of the world that we're given in the first creation story is of a world where everything is as it's supposed to be. And the reason it's supposed to be that way is because God created it and he called it good. It was magnificent and wonderful. Or in other words, the picture we're given in the first creation story is of a perfect world. This is how things are supposed to be. Which means what we find in the second creation story is a theological explanation of why the world is not what it's supposed to be. Or why evil, sin, and death exist in a world that was created by an all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-good God. That's what the Adam and Eve story is all about. But before we get into answering that big question, we first need, or I first need to kind of share with you um, how I interpret, how I read this story, and why I read it in a certain way, which might be a little different than you have heard before. So, um, after wrestling with and praying with this story off and on for about the last 25 years, and these stories have kind of been a passion of mine, Uh, I have come to the conclusion that I'm pretty sure, yet not completely convinced, that this story, the Adam and Eve story, is not meant to be taken literally, but instead was written to be taken symbolically as a source of theological truth of how we have fallen away from God. And again, I know for some of you this might sound weird, but, but let me show you a couple of reasons why I think this. So, And there's a whole bunch more that I'm going to share with you, but I'm going to share with you the big three. So first of all, when you get into the Hebrew, right, which I know you guys are reading Hebrew all the time, what you will find is that the name Adam, which is Adomah in Hebrew, excuse me, Adom in Hebrew, um, is actually one of the Hebrew words used for man or mankind. Or is a word that is most often used in the Old Testament not to talk about someone named Adam, but to talk about the male gender or to talk about all men in gender. And so some people will say that with the word Adam there, that the name Adam, it's not just talking about one person, it's talking about all men in general. Then what you'll find when you start looking into the meaning of the name Eve is that the Hebrew word that gets translated Eve is Hava. And what Hava means is mother of the living, which can be taken as a general reference to the role that women have as those who carry and give birth to all new life. So in these two titles, basically the way you can read it is that it's a general account of male and female, right? But the main reason for why I don't think this story was written to give us a literal account is because what you will find when you skip forward in the book of Genesis to chapter 4, verse 17, is that there are other humans besides Adam and Eve that are on the earth that are not explained. And if you read it literally, it doesn't make sense. But if you'll read it in a figurative way, it makes sense. Or to kind of give you some perspective on this, and you guys have read the Adam and Eve story, so you know it tells us that Adam was created first, then Eve. Then we get uh, the sons Cain and Abel. That is until Cain kills his brother Abel after a little spout and all, a spat and all that kind of stuff. But then what we find after God punishes Cain for what he has done, strangely you'll find verse 17 says this. And most people don't see this. Cain knew his wife. You catch that? Cain knew his wife. Well, wait a minute. If Adam and Eve and Cain are the only people who existed up to that point, then where in the world did Cain's wife come from? Right? And then not only that, where in the world did Cain's wife's parents come from? And where did his parents come And you can kind of go on and on. Well, if you're reading this literally, this becomes a problem. And I've tried to make it all work and fit together and all that kind of stuff and can't seem to do it. So 
given that it seems to be the case that both Adam and Eve, these names are, are not just about specific people, but meant to represent all of us. And because if you try to read this story as a literal account, it just doesn't line up. For me, again, it seems that this story was not written to give us a literal account of what happened in the beginning, but instead is more like a parable, right? A Jesus parable that was written to give us a theological truth about who we are as human beings in a fallen humanity. So you guys still with me on this? So I know, I know these last four weeks I have hit you over the head with some crazy stuff. I realize that. And I know for some of you it's pretty hard. Um, and I just remember, and I say that because I remember when I was in my uh, classes hearing this for the first time, it took me a little bit to come to terms with that. So if you have that feeling, you can come talk to me anytime. Uh, we can go through all of this kind of stuff. Or you can just feel free to disagree. Right? I'm a good disciple minister. I don't have it all figured out. You guys decide what you want to decide, and we'll, we'll discuss it, and we can disagree. Not a big deal there, right? Okay. So the way the Adam and Eve story sets up is that in the beginning, God creates Adam, right? And then a little later on, God creates Eve from Adam and puts them in a garden. And what makes this garden so incredible is that not only do Adam and Eve have each other, but it's also the case that they have this incredibly close, even face-to-face -face relationship with God. Which in a sense means these two are living in a perfect world. No worries, no fear, no pain, no suffering, just bliss. And in the ancient world, one of the metaphors that's used for uh, bliss, a perfect world, is a garden. So it, it completely and totally fits their mindset. Which is also similar to what's described in the first creation story, right? But just when you thought everything was perfect... And Adam and Eve would go on and live happily ever after with their God. That's the way it was supposed to be. We are told about these two specific trees. The tree of life, which if one eats, uh, they will live forever, which do you guys ever wonder why they just didn't go out and eat that one right away? They didn't, right? And then we have this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which tells them they cannot eat or, or God tells them they cannot eat or they'll die. So perfect world, all of this stuff, and then we're set up and there's like a temptation going on right here in the middle. And then what makes it worse is there's this serpent that shows up, right? Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals that the Lord God has made. Or after God put the forbidden fruit in the middle of the garden, it says there's a serpent. Oftentimes we interpret that as Satan comes to Eve and begins to tempt her with a promise. And here's the important part. The temptation that's given here is not just to eat a fruit, the temptation is to become like God, right? Knowing good and evil. So let me read that to you. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not die. For God knows that if you eat this or when you eat of this, your eyes will be open and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. Or the picture we're given here with the temptation of the snake is that God didn't create human beings as robots who, who didn't have the ability to kind of walk away from God, but he created them with the ability to make their own choices, Right? And free will is important because if you don't have free will, you don't actually have any kind of love because human beings would just be, ro be robots. And then the choice that's put before Eve here is that she can either choose the way of God by declining the forbidden fruit, which will keep her perfect life perfect, or she can choose to disobey God, the, disobey the way of God by eating the fruit and becoming 
like God. So any of you guys ever been tempted to become like God before? Yes, you have. We'll talk about it. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Or as you can see, the temptation of becoming like God's was too much not only for Eve, but also for Adam. Let's, let's, let's put the blame where it is. Both of them did it, right? We like to say Eve. No, no, no. Adam did it. He knew what he was doing. And they eat. They give in and eat. And when they eat, notice that they don't die, or at least in the way we think about death. But that like the serpent said, their eyes were open and they were able to see good and evil. And the reason we know they're able to see good and evil is because in a moment, they realize that they're naked standing in the midst of a garden. So you guys still with me on this? Do you kind of see how it sets up too as a parable? Do you see how it works in this way? Uh, it's, for me, it's absolutely mind-blowing. So I'm going to give you my interpretation of what I think is going on in this story. Uh, and I've been, like I said, I've been reading about this for 25 years. You will find all sorts of interpretations. So I want you to feel free to disagree with me or go find uh, someone else or, or kind of figure it out for yourself. I want you to wrestle with it. But this is what I think. And this makes a whole lot of sense to me. So uh, I, hope, I hope this will do something for you. So what I see going on in the story is that all of us, in a sense, are Adam and Eve. And that just like Adam and Eve, we have all been given the ability to make our own choices. And the big choice that we have to make in our life over and over again, which is the same choice that Eve and Adam had to make, is that either we can choose to trust the good way that God has put before us and let God be God, or we can choose to become our own gods by taking matters into our own hands because we think we know better than God. With one path leading to life and the way it's supposed to be, right? We let God be God. And the other path leading to a fallen existence or the world, our lives as we know them now. Well, for me, what the Adam and Eve story shows us is that we have all at one time or another chosen to become our own gods by taking matters into our own hands. With the result being not only that our lives are filled with sin and evil and death in that other sense, but we have also corrupted God's good world. That's what's gone wrong with the world. Oh, and you guys are supposed to be clapping at this point. That's supposed to be brilliant. Come on now. So how many of you guys, on a daily basis, choose to be God? Choose your own way. And what usually happens when you choose your own way? Anybody? Does it go perfectly exactly how you thought it was going to go? No? What happens when you choose the way of God, even if it's hard? Now, I'm not saying everything is, is roses and peaches because God can call you to do some hard things. But life goes better when we allow God to be God. Or to really put the brilliance of this story into perspective, just take any kind of sin that you can think of, right? Adultery, pride, greed, racism, 
lying, coveting, like, you know, those are some of the smaller ones. And then the big ones, even murder or war or genocide. And, and notice that not only what these sins have in common, but all sins have in common is that it's really nothing more than human beings choosing a way other than God's way because they think they know better. Or a human being trying to act like God by deciding what's right and wrong. Do you see that? So what's wrong with our world? Where did the fall happen? It happens every single day as you and I choose to walk in a different way besides the way God has put before us. And then where Jesus fits in all of this is that when we choose to follow the way of Jesus, when we give our lives to Christ, when we give that faith, which is basically a total commitment to Jesus, what we're doing is we're giving up our own way and choosing to follow in the way of God. And that's when we get to go from being a part of the solution or part of the problem, which we're always going to be a part of the problem, we're, you know, human, to getting to be a part of the solution. Because salvation is not just about getting to heaven, although that's a part of it. Salvation also includes bringing heaven to earth. Now, the interesting thing about this story is, uh, I don't know about you guys, but in all sorts of commentary, uh, comedians on TV, I hear people mocking this story. Oh, those crazy Christians, they believe in a talking snake, and there's Adam and Eve and all that. They believe. Like, well, wait a minute. You ding-dongs aren't reading this story right. This story actually explains why you are who you are. This story explains why in a world that was created by a good God, things aren't as they're supposed to be. And you guys, I just don't get it. You guys are supposed to get excited about this stuff. It's the greatest stuff on the planet, and yet you sit there. Oh, yeah. I know that's not true. I've preached in here way too many times before, brother. So it is my hope, uh, now that we're kind of bringing this sermon series to a close, that um, you now have the tools to go in and read these creation stories in a bit different way. First of all, to, to not only understand the theological truth they proclaim, which is foundational to who we are and what we're all about, but also to see that science really isn't the enemy. We really can't have our cake and eat it too. But also to see that we are a part of the problem. And, and that problem is, is we like to become God ourselves. So let us choose the way of Jesus. Let us choose to follow God and see what happens. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning and, and very grateful for the opportunity to, you know, gather together and, and delve into these incredible uh, inspired words that you've given us. I know for some, they're, they're wrestling with trying to make sense of all of this because maybe it's a little different than what they've heard before, but help them to see that um, this story is about the fall. And whether you believe in it literally or whether you believe in it figuratively or symbolically, it, it all points to the same thing. We are creatures who continue to walk away from you, continue to choose to be God instead of allowing you to be God. So Lord, help us to see that. But then once we see that, once we know about this sin that's in our lives, help us to know that the way forward, the way out of our sin, evil, and death is to choose you, is to choose to follow the way of Christ. Because that is the answer. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name.
Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.